you go ahead and stand up. We're going to start this day singing together. It's just a song of gathering and worship. And the reason we're here to see his glory this morning and to be together as a church family. Sing this with me. We waited for this day. We waited for this day. We're gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire, burn our hearts with you. Come on, he's the reason. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing.
guys can go and have a seat. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Welcome to Kensington Shelby Campus. We're really excited uh, for this morning. My name is Josh Jackson. If you're new here, I'm the Worship Arts Director, and uh, I get to lead this awesome team and sing with you guys, and I love it. Uh, so if you are new here, we do have a place for you in the lobby called Starting Point um, that I would love uh, for you to, to visit. Uh, maybe we get to know you, know your name. Uh, if you come back, that would be awesome. That's in the lobby. So before we uh, continue with our series, Unstoppable Force, and we hear from Steve Andrews today. Uh, yeah, hey, he's awesome. <laughs> uh, we, I have a couple things uh, to kind of tell you about that's coming up, and one of them you probably know is coming up, at least if you have kids and they've been uh, seeing this little bunny hop around or they're getting ready for those Reese eggs. Does anyone like the Reese eggs? I know that's one of my favorite things. So we have Easter coming up, uh, but before I tell you a little bit more about that, we actually have a video to kind of show you what to expect, so check it out. In 2000, I had a transformative encounter with Jesus Christ, so much so that I came home. Every magic trick has three acts, and we believe the story of Easter has three acts as well. This Easter season, we are so excited to invite you to a series we are calling The Greatest Show on Earth. Our team has been working to create a three-part journey that begins at Palm Sunday, laying out the story of Jesus' entry to the city of Jerusalem as just an ordinary man on a donkey to his extraordinary act of love on Good Friday. Everything culminates on Easter Sunday as we celebrate Jesus raising from the dead in the most amazing, death-defying act in all of history. A magician knows the secret behind the illusion, but with the story of Jesus, there is no illusion. We believe that this amazing story is all actually real. Join us as we reveal the hidden secrets to this story and see for ourselves the miraculous gift that is offered to each of us through the greatest show on earth. Yeah, I am really, really excited for this uh, for this season. Um, the services that are that are coming that have been planned for literally months and months are uh, one of the I think the best thing I've seen since I've been here. They're really amazing. I'm really excited. Um, if you didn't catch it, so it's a three act journey, and so that first act is actually next Sunday, Palm Sunday. Make sure you're here to get the whole story of, of all three acts. It's going to be, if, if you just come for Easter, I think you're going to miss out a little bit. So you definitely want to see all three. Act two, of course, like he said, is Good Friday, which we have a 7 p.m. service. And then act three is Easter, which if you've never been to a Kensington holiday service, maybe you don't know that, that we do a ticketing service. Uh, it's actually on our website, kensingtonchurch.org, and you get tickets for Easter. Now, those tickets are free. Unless you want to pay me for them, I can give them to you. I'll print them for you. And, uh, but they, uh, it's really what it is. It's just to make sure that you're going to have a seat because we don't want everyone showing up to one service and then being full and people not having seats. So all it is just so we know that way if one service fills up, we can take those tickets off so you don't try to get tickets for that service and come and don't have a seat. And you can also print extra tickets to invite your family and your friends as an incentive. And you can tell them that, hey, you got it off the black market. It was really expensive, and uh, you, they, should come, they should come with you. So that's Easter. I'm really, really excited. Like I said, come next week, starting Act 1. Um, I think it's going to be pretty amazing. Uh, also, after Easter, so in, in the middle of April, we have probably, for me, a top five favorite service that we do at Kensington. And that is our baptism service. And you actually got a little teaser of Danny Cox just a second ago. 
So we're going to hear from Danny and kind of his baptism story uh, and, and, and share what him and his wife went through as they were deciding to be baptized. In 2000, I had a transformative encounter with Jesus Christ, so much so that I came home from that Easter service, looked at my wife, and I said, the man that left today is not the man that stands in front of you. And it began this journey with Jesus. In fact, it was about a three or four year journey. And friends of mine used to say, hey, you you need to get baptized. You need to get baptized. But I felt like God was saying, no, wait, wait for your wife. And in 2004, my wife came to me and said, hey, you know that baptism thing? I want to do that with you. And we got baptized that summer. It was a beautiful ceremony out in Stony Creek. When we were coming home, my wife said to me, you know what? When we were coming out of the water, I felt like God gave me a vision. Now, if you know my wife, Amy, that's not how she speaks at all. And I said, oh, tell me what this vision is. And she said, you know when you're on a roller coaster and you get, you're in the seat and all of a sudden you start going up that hill, chink, 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 and you start moving up that hill to go to the crest of the hill. She goes, that's the vision I had. And then I felt like God said to me, buckle up. You're about to go on the ride of your life. And that statement was one of the most true statements we had ever heard. Over the last 14 years, Amy and I have been on the ride of our life with Christ. And Kensington is holding their baptism service on April 14th and 15th. And if you're that person that feels like God is tugging you to him, then we're inviting you to be baptized. There's nothing magical in the water. But as you go down into the water, it washes your old self away. And as you come up, it's symbolic of God making you into a new creation. It's your public declaration of an inward reality. So come be with us. Come get baptized. And I know that you're going to have to buckle up and get ready for the ride of your life. Come join us. So yeah, like Danny said, if you're in this room, and I, and I have a feeling uh, that there are a few of you, that when he said that you're getting that inkling, you're getting that tug, you're getting that pull uh, to come do this, I, that's the Lord. And I think he's telling you to do this. So online, you can sign up just so we know um, what service you want to get baptized and when. But that's April 15th for our campus. It's going to be right here on stage. Um, I, like I said, one of the most powerful services I think we do. Make sure you're there. Even if you're not uh, getting baptized, you've already been been baptized, you don't want to miss it to see people make that public declaration of faith. I think it's going to be really incredible. All right, before we continue with our services, go ahead and stand up, greet someone you haven't seen in a week, and tell them hello. said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And so we have people that are launching new initiatives, new dreams all the time. The beauty of life is when you can say, we did this together. That's what I want. As a church family, we can fuel incredible mission and ministry here and around the world. I think the best is yet to come. Hey, so good morning. So um, I think it would be uh, remiss of me if I didn't mention uh, any, anybody, Steph, there was a little basketball game last night. Anybody, Steph, and pay attention to that? Oh, my gosh. 
Well, we got like five University of Michigan fans in the room. What is wrong? Come on. That was like the game of the century. Now, what does that have to do with today? Absolutely nothing. So I thought about, you know, writing, writing the score of the game. You know, I'm a, I'm a true fan. 64-63, right? Was that it? Something like that. So anyway, we are, uh, if you're new with us today, uh, this is actually a pledge Sunday for us as we finish our last uh, year of the Everyone campaign. Uh, every one of you probably should have gotten one of these as you came in. And if you're new, um, you don't need to run for the doors. You can just to kind of enjoy this service, find out what matters to us, kind of what our, our passions, our visions are. And so I just wanted to say this. Uh, some of us have been actually with our families thinking about our pledge and what we're going to do. Um, I'm actually stepping up. Uh, my wife and I um, really have been blessed. The last couple of years have been really good for us. And we thought the, the commitment we made two years ago, we could actually do more. So we're doing that. But here's what I want to say to you. God invited us to be in a life where we invest our lives beyond ourselves. Like if you really want to live, you really want to enjoy life, you move beyond what is comfortable to you. If you want to live in the comfort where you're just trying to figure out your own life, those of us who've been a part of this church for a long time really believe that's a recipe for misery. Like if I'm going to spend all my energy trying to make my life work, I believe that's the recipe for an unhappy life. But the recipe that Jesus has is to come join life with him and follow him. That's why we've been talking about this experience of the unstoppable force. And what's surprising to me as a kid is that the church was the unstoppable force because you've heard this from different speakers the last couple of weeks. But I thought church was a building. It was much later I realized it wasn't a building. It was a gathering of people. I remember in my church, we were supposed to be on our best behavior church. In fact, I should have looked it up. I didn't, but I got all these pictures of me as a kid when I was four and five and six years old looking like little Lord Fauntleroy. That's how we dressed for church. I remember having a white, white blazer suit with white pants that came down just above the knees. And I thought that was church. I hated that. I mean, even before I knew enough to hate that. We were never allowed to run in church. We were supposed to be in our best behavior. Church building was supposed to be a holy place. No one told me that the church building wasn't holy at all. What was holy was the people in it. It was Jesus Christ moving and moving in the lives of people. I realized that I had, in a sense, been misdirected about what the church was all my life. And so in church, we whispered, we acted differently, we dressed differently, we behaved differently. It was the complete opposite of the home I grew up in. The home I grew up in was, was amazing. It was one of those dream homes that a lot of you did not have. It was a, I can remember our dinner table. We experienced everything there, hysterical laughter, great storytelling. My oldest brother, Bill, even to this day, is the greatest storyteller, and he would tell that he was always getting in trouble. He'd tell those stories at dinner, and he would embellish them. I remember moments of tender honesty. I remember many times of tears around that table. I remember our, our dinner table was always filled with guests from the, from the upper crust of society to the lowest part of society. I remember that was a place to celebrate victories and grieving the losses of life as well. And what I didn't realize is that was church. 
That's what church was supposed to be. And actually, the Bible has a word for it. The Bible has a word for it. It's not, okay, sorry. Okay. How many of you are Spartan fans, by the way? Oh, so no wonder you didn't care about Michigan. Oh, now I understand. Shelby is green, is green country. Okay. See, very minority boo there from the Michigan fans. So the word we have, does anybody guess what it is? Incarnation. Can you see that in the back? No. We'll get over it. Incarnation. Jesus said, this is pretty cool, in John 1.14, it said the word became flesh. Can we put that up on the screen? And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. Still coming, Colleen? Sorry, I should have, should have given you a heads up on that. John 1.14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Someone, someone whistle when it comes up. Okay. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So what was the holiness coming? Was it, was it an event? No. Was it a building? No. Was it a, some kind of achievement? No. It was a person. The church is about the person of Jesus Christ coming and making his home with us. The word became flesh. The word, that phrase in John, is simply, literally, means Jesus. He was the eternal word with the Father and came to be with us. And so here is Jesus with the Father. You can't see it in the back. That'll teach you to sit back there in the nosebleed sections. And uh, I still love you a little bit. And uh, so Jesus comes. And he comes into the earth, right? Here's the planet. And he comes and he makes his home with us. No one really expected this. They talked about the Messiah who was going to come lead Israel out of its problems. But no one realized that it was going to be the son of the living God. Philippians 2, that Jesus is going to give up every right and every prerogative as God is going to come and dwell with us. It's amazing. And we saw him and we lived with him. And so what was interesting is that something happened along the way. And I don't, I think it happened about 313 AD when Constantine made the church a legal entity. We talked about that, you know, like it became, it became mainstream and the church went from being a circle of community of, of people in relationships with Jesus. And it became a box. Now there's nothing wrong with the box. This is a box today where we get to be with Jesus together, but it has nothing to do with this box. We can meet out in the parking lot. We can meet secretly in the trees. It has nothing to do with the location. It has to all do with the people. And so, and then one other thing, people thought that it, it had to be people from outside. The only way you could get to God was to come inside this box. Now, at Kensington, we've had some great years in the box, and people have come and found Christ. We've probably had maybe uh, as many as 15,000 people over the last 28 years baptized who've come to Christ, people like Danny and Amy Cox. But that was never the ultimate vision of the incarnation. The real vision was this, was Jesus coming in open source. You know that term. There was no walls. 
There was just the people he came to, right? And instead of thinking that people were supposed to come in, as Jesus came and dwelt among us, you still with me? As Jesus came and dwelt among us, the whole mission and purpose was for these people to go out. The whole movement was not to be inward, was to be out. And the, the people that, that you, you, you tried to reach could have been any person. It could have been a, I, I remember in my home church, if you smoke cigarettes, that was like, that was bad. Now, I wanted to start a church where people could smoke cigarettes outside, not feel guilty about it. You know, uh, I, I was just talking, just made a good new friend today. Where are you? I just saw you. Where are you? There you are. We were talking about this whole idea of celebrate recovery. One of my dreams at Kensington would be to do a church wide where all the thousands of people come to Kensington would take three months and we would do celebrate recovery together. Why? Because everybody's got addictions. Everybody's got patterns that are destructive in their lives. And I, I would love for a team of people to go out and say, Let's love the people of the world. I remember in, in, in my home church, if a, guy, if a guy came in like that, not good. I remember Bill Hyde, I never, never, there's a guy named Jack House in India. When, when guys came in with long hair and they became committed to Christ, before they baptized them, they'd take them in the back room and they'd give them a haircut. Because that was the thought of get your life together and come to Jesus. No, Jesus said, I don't care what mess your life is in, come to me. And then for us, what, whoever and wherever those people are, you go and you show them the love of Christ. It was never about modifying somebody's behavior. It was introducing them to seeing the glory of Jesus Christ. This is the church. This is what we want to be. And so for the last 28 years, we've had thousands of people going out in every direction. I was thinking of all the directions that people have gone out. It had been so amazing. Some people came to Christ in this building, but Jesus went on to say another thing. John 20, 21, I love this. You'll see this on the screen. Jesus said, peace be with you. This is at the end of his time after he had dwelled with people for 33 years on this planet. And after he was crucified, he rose again from the dead. By the way, that's the April Fool's joke this year. Yeah. April, Easter's on April Fool's Day. Yeah. He's alive. <laughs> for real. And he's still changing lives. I just came back from Nepal. Couldn't believe the transformation I saw in the lives of these girls who had been rescued out of brothels. 14-year-old girls have been, been treated like that in a brothel since they were 10. And the next thing you know, they're starting micro-businesses, leading house churches, starting community banking collectives for women in rural areas of Nepal. I mean, going from destruction to leadership. Like I came back on, I'm going to believe that Jesus transforms people's lives. That just made me spit. Nobody's in the front row. You're safe in the third. Okay. So Jesus said, peace be with you. Just as the father has sent me, I also what? Say it. Send you. Send you. So we got people going everywhere to go and see how God sent Ramesh into Nepal. How God is sending these transformed young women to have started 450 house fellowships in Nepal. Have started uh, a couple of hundred micro businesses or teaching other people how to start businesses. These banking collectives. Uh, just to see God create something amazing out of devastation. But you know what? He's been doing it here as well. We've seen it here through campuses, through church planting, 
through incredible ministries to kids. But we've also seen in people at Kensington starting foster care movements. What is that? That's the church going out. What about adoption projects? We, my family, our, our daughter just a, and son-in-law adopted two boys this year. In, in, in wild circumstances, it's totally transformed our lives. Being the church in that project, feeding the homeless, Jesus-centered groups. I just, we've got 550 groups meeting almost every week all around this region. I just heard of a, a, a group of women, older women at Kenji to start, start a, a group called Race Runners. They, did, they decided they want to run strong to the end of their lives. I didn't even know that group existed. I just found that out yesterday. In other words, there's this movement all the time, all the time, out, out, out. That was our dream. That was the goal pulse that we talked about. Teachers. And then, but by the way, wish I had been clear on this. People going back tomorrow, when you go back to your place of work, you're going as Jesus' person. Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29 says, go do great work tomorrow. Bless the city that you're living in exile in. Do good work that makes life better for people. But it also, faith at work, going and living out your values as a follower of Jesus Christ. And then also letting, you know, looking for opportunities where Jesus can be known in, in that environment. Teachers, engineers, entrepreneurs, lawyers, musicians, salespeople, people who love Jesus in every walk of life. You know what? Do you know that Jesus, we found out even in this Everyone campaign, Jesus can even use a Harley Davidson owner. Now that's, that's pretty ridiculous because man, when I was a kid, you know, you know, cool guy, leather jacket. Can you, can you see the leather jacket up there? I'm funny, huh? pretty funny. And uh, we got a great story for you. Just of one of the guys that's been a part of this campaign, doesn't even go to Kensington. Found himself connected in. Actually, I'll just give you a hint. Chris Zarbaugh is our Clinton Township leader. He uh, met with this guy recently. The guy came and said, hey, I just read, my, read the whole Bible this year. Is that good? Come on, that's funny. Is that good? Anybody here read the Bible, the whole Bible this year? That's amazing. Anyway, he's a part of our Everyone Campaign story. You're going to enjoy the heck out of this. Watch, watch this. is the people I interact with on a daily basis. My customers, my employees, their family, they've made this store and me the success that, that we are today. Fanny. How you doing, buddy? How's it going? Good. Anything I can help you with? Oh, I think we got it covered. Okay, awesome. Have a great day, man. 
Harley Davidson, it's a legend, it's an American icon. It's one of the most recognizable logos in business. It's a giving company. It really, really encourages dealers to take care of their community, to embrace generosity and engage in, in activities to, to help the community. And that's why we're excited to partner with Kensington Church. My first interaction with Kensington was at uh, one of my biggest charity events. You know, there's thousands of people here. There's uh, five, six, seven hundred motorcycles that, that depart from here. It's, uh, it's for veterans. And during uh, this very busy time, this gentleman approaches me from the crowd and he introduced me as the pastor of the upcoming Kensington Church. He took 10 minutes of my time to express their need and their mission. And he informed us that you guys needed some of our property to successfully finish your driveway that leads since quarter mile it goes back to your church. My partner very graciously had said, yeah, absolutely, give it to them. We love the fact that we did it. And ever since, it's just been magical. I've received more support from, from, from the church than, than that piece of property is worth. Passing around ideas, trying to figure out things to do to maximize what we could do for the church. I agreed to donate a motorcycle for a giveaway, a beautiful 2017 Softail Deluxe. It's one of my favorites. It's six-speed. It's fully, fully loaded. Just an absolutely gorgeous bike. That motorcycle will raise funds, for example, buy chairs. Okay, buy chairs for the church, and hopefully in, in one of those chairs, one young person will sit, and it will not only change their life, but probably change the life of friends and maybe even their whole family tree. In my opinion, one of the most important things we can do is support our, our church, support your encouragement. You can go into church anytime you want. It's free of charge, okay? I know Kensington will give you free coffee. They'll give you free literature. They'll love you, okay? Whether you have a dime or whether you don't. So how does a really successful businessman make such a bad business decision of giving his stuff away? I think that's why we're successful. I think that's what I've worked for all these years, to be a success, to be able to give back, to be able to help others. I mean, that's what I've worked for all my life. That gives me more pleasure than anything else, to be able to do something and help somebody. That's pretty cool. George is a living example of what we're talking about. He's a Harley Davidson owner, but he's not, he's not just trying to figure out his life. He's trying to figure out how can my life be a blessing 
for other people. And it's an amazing thing. He gives, a, gives us a significant chunk of property alongside that allows us to have a multiple turn lanes on the, on the grass exit of this, of this building. And they did it just willingly and openly. They're giving us this beautiful vehicle. I'm sitting there looking at it going, I drive, I drive a 16-year-old car. I'm looking at that soft tail. It's pretty sweet, isn't it? But it's, I just realized it's the abundance of God. It's what happens when you go out. And what we have, we've always said, let's live open-handedly. Let's don't protect anything. Let's give it all away. Let's take risks with God. And let's see what God is doing along this journey. People serving through great work in their jobs, coaching teams, serving on their local boards, caring for special needs families, and on and on it goes. Every movement, every arrow is a proclamation that Jesus Christ is alive that he can heal broken hearts and bring strength to the scourge. And then he invites everyone to join him in life. And so as we get ready to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you just three tangible ways to think about your own life, because as Jesus came to dwell among us now, as we go out, he dwells, he dwells in us. Now he's in us. We used to say, Jesus in my heart. This is where Jesus is. Jesus, I don't know what that means, but Jesus is with me and in giving me strength. If you're a follower of Jesus, wherever you go, Jesus is with you. He is in you. You go out, Christ in you, Christ in me, and this is what happens. So um, uh, I was supposed to take the offering during that video. <laughs> you told me I forgot. Okay, that's funny. All right, busters are going to come down. It's our regular offering. At the end, we're going to have our... We're going to tear off our pledge cards in about 20 minutes. We're going to drop them in over here uh, and, and over here. But uh, for the offering again, uh, if you're visiting with us, this moment's not for you, but just uh, lo- love your, your being here. We'd love for you to be a part of us, be a part of this, this great mission we're on. And um, for those of you that are part of this, giving online or whatever, uh, you are giving to see movements like this happen in the world. So ushers can kind of do that when you're ready. All right. So, in, as you look at this incarnation, and when you say, uh, Jesus leaving all the glories of heaven to come and dwell among us, and then he calls us to get out of our comfort, this was his comfort zone. He came to live with us in the world, and then he invites us to break out of our comfort zone to go to others. You know, by the way, you know one of my secret dreams is, like one of my personal dreams for the, this last 10 years, maybe, of... Uh, that if I've got 10 more great years of energy to go, do you know what one of them is? There are over a hundred different languages spoken in a 10 mile radius of the Troy campus, which includes here. It's mostly in Southern Oakland County, Southern Macomb County. You know what part of my dream is in, in the going out? We've got four or five churches that we've helped start in different languages. I thought, what if the next 10 years, if I could find people of peace and we could see a a hundred churches started in a hundred different languages. That's just one dream uh, among starting other kinds of churches, global partners. Isn't that amazing to think of? But how's that going to happen? It can't happen unless we step out of our comfort zone. So how does Jesus give us the power to do that? Well, we follow his example and we also live out his presence. If there were three things that Jesus did, I want you to think about. The first one is he embraced powerlessness. The key to his effectiveness, okay, again, if you've got your phone, whatever, I love you to write these, I love you to remember these, okay? John 1, 14, again, says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. It literally, it's like he built his house with us. Like he built a tent next to our tent 
or built a tabernacle next to our tabernacle. He came and he was with us. Who would have imagined that? And then it says, uh, in embracing this powerlessness, it says, he became a servant. Mark 10, one one of my life verses, Jesus was describing himself. He said, even the son of man, let's say this out loud, ready? Did not come to be served, but to but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. No one imagined that this is what Jesus Christ would do. Now, in terms of us giving our life for the many, I got to tell you, there are simple examples. It might be going across the street with a tray of cookies, their chocolate chip. Come on, that's funnier. I'm way funnier than you guys are giving me credit for today. Okay, you take that tray of chocolate chips to your neighbor who you don't know. In my, in, my, in my court where I live, there's a Korean family, Chinese family, Filipino family, a Romanian family, and then some boring Anglo people. <laughs> and you know what? That's me. I'm the boring. And so... It's amazing the fellowship and the friend, the friend, the friend, and the things we're learning about each other. I, you know where else I went this week? I went to visit a young man who was a part of Kensington before he murdered his mother 14 years ago. He's 28 years old now. I visited him in prison. Sat with him for three hours on Friday. Amazing young man. You know what's happened? He's really come to know Christ. As I was getting up to leave uh, Friday evening about 6 o'clock after we'd had three hours of conversation, he said, hey, 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 let's, let's pray together before you go. Don't you think I should have been the one to think of that in a crowded room of people visiting? What, or what was I doing Friday afternoon? I was the church with a murderer who's been redeemed by Jesus Christ. This is the church, you guys. It is not, and it doesn't have to be dramatic. It could be as dramatic as going to a jail or taking a, cookies to the neighbor across the street or building a relationship and then, in some cases, inviting back to church with you. To say, hey, would you like to hear more about the Jesus who loves you and cares about you and meets you where, where you are? He's not asking you to clean up every, every single thing in your life. He's asking you to begin a relationship with him. He'll take care of the rest. He'll work with us until we see him face to face. And so Jesus came and served. I love Philippians 2. It said, Jesus, he made himself nothing and took the very nature of a servant. Isn't that beautiful? Someone say beautiful. It's beautiful. It's amazing. So powerlessness. We don't go, we're not going out in the world like, hey, I'm all that in a bag of chips. Nobody cares. Nobody cares what you know. They care about what you do. They care about your laying your life out. And when they see that you care, they want to know what you think. They want to know about Jesus. I watched Dave Wilson coach the, uh, be an assistant quarterback coach for Rochester Adams football for 20 years. In the early years, no one cared what he thought or cared what he said. He changed that. He had an incredible impact in that whole athletic community. Because, man, for the first five years, he didn't talk about Jesus. He knew he was a pastor. He's a great quarterback coach. And then all of a sudden, for 15 years, their football team has a chapel every, every Thursday afternoon. 
Kids come to Christ. Guys are still in, serving in ministry out of what happened through that. In other words, that's more dramatic. But there was five years of no drama, just coaching football, just being a good coach. Are you with me on this? Well, the point I'm making is everybody is part of this. This church, everybody's a part of because there are places you could go nobody else can go. Your home, your neighborhood, your work, the places where you coach, your kids' teams or events or band, whatever. It's such a powerful movement. And this is how the church of Jesus Christ moved in the world, not through buildings. Even though buildings, there's still great times for us to come together. So powerlessness is the first one. The second one is proximity. Proximity is he was sent to spend time with us. So what do we do? We get close to people. We have people in our home. We have people meeting in our home. I love uh, meeting with people. I love meeting with people at breakfast. I, uh, I, I'll give, just give you another one. I'm, I'm going crazy here, but I'll give you one more. I was at Square Lake Diner, which is near our Troy campus, where we have our offices for all the Kensington staff. And I'm sitting there with a guy who's, he and his wife had a daughter, was born just wonderful, beautiful, incredible little girl, but she had a hole in her heart. So at six months, was repaired at uh, University Hospital, Ann Arbor. And two days afterwards, her left ventricle bursts, however that works. And they saved her life in the NICU. They literally turned the NICU into a surgical center and they saved her life. But she went about 40, 50 minutes without oxygen. So she has brain damage. And so she's, Elizabeth is a precious girl. Well, I'm sitting here talking to this guy and he's crying with me a few months ago. And Drita, who's the waitress, she's kind of the pastor of Square Lake Diner. Uh, I'd remembered that her son was significantly handicapped as well. And I said, Drita, I said, Mark and his wife, Katie, just their, their daughters, you know, all this happened. I told her and, and Drita, whose son is 25. Cause she had told me her son is an angel from God. That's what she told me. He doesn't talk. He's severely handicapped. I think he can walk a little bit, but he's just the glue to their family. And she, and every time she talks about him, she goes, Oh, he's an angel from God. And as Drita leans over, she's talking to Mark. She says, well, what, what did your daughter have? I can't even describe what, what Elizabeth had. And Drita goes, that's what my son had. That's what my son has. And she was able to talk about a year of 20 plus years of life, loving her son and the joy that he brought, giving this guy. Like, how do you plan that? How does the waitress have the son who's 20 have the exact same problem? This young couple's grieving and all of a sudden God brings them together. What's happening? It's a church. That's the church. That's what we're investing in. That's what we're a part of. Right now, we're in Macomb County. You know, if some of you know me a lot, God's given me a tremendous vision heart for Macomb County. 52% of the people in Macomb County say they have no church connection at all. Uh, 48% say they have some connection. But out of that 48%, more than half really don't attend, but they have a connection to church, but they really don't attend. Which means that right now, as we speak, there are 650,000 people out of the 830 that live in Macomb County that are... Church is not an option for them today. Who's going to reach them? Who's going to do it? Us. Whether it's the, the waitress at your, your favorite breakfast spot or the guy at the gas station or where you work or, you know, the team you're, you're coaching with, your children's, uh, the, the, the parents of your children's teammates. That's, that's what it was for me for 20 years. God's whole ministry was through the events that my kids did, and they got to know the, the, those kids, and then their parents became our best friends. And 
probably 30 or 20 or 30 families go to Kensington out of that. It's crazy. We all do it just as normal people. In the last 12 years, we've helped start, I think, nine new churches, plus Macomb, plus Clinton Campus and Shelby Campus, to reach the tens of thousands of people that we hope to reach in this, this, this community. We can be the church everywhere we are. Let's see that, say that together. We can be the church everywhere we are. Let's say it again. We can be the church everywhere we are. We're the extension of Jesus. Jesus is in us. This is what's so cool. It's not a building. You know what? I remember years ago when we first got into our first building in Troy campus and there were kids running in the lobby and, and, and the ushers were stopping the kids from running. I'm like, Mm-mm-mm. that was my church growing up in Kensington kids run in the lobby. <laughs> now parents, you want to stop your kids from running? That's your, your prerogative as a parent, but they have permission to run at Kensington because I want them to know that it's a place of joy. It's a place of life. Okay. So powerlessness, proximity, let's say those, cause we're going to forget them. Powerlessness. Let's say it. Proximity. Okay. And the third one is proclamation. Jesus was sent to speak truth. We were sent to speak truth and to live truth. Let's go back to John 1, 14, one more time, and then we're done. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of, let's say this together, grace and truth. Jesus came to proclaim two things. You know what grace is? Grace is the undeserved love and favor of God. You didn't deserve it. You can't earn it. That grace reaches into every dark crevice of our lives. It's the most powerful force in the universe. Grace says, you're forgiven. Jesus forgave us on the cross before we even asked for it. Think about that. He brought forgiveness, and he knew many, many people were going to hear that story and never ask for that. I've got people I love in my family who, who go, no, not good enough. Not even going to ask forgiveness. You know, Jesus has already offered his forgiveness. And then truth, and the truth is this. The truth that we believe is the reality about Jesus and who he is and what he can do. That's why I came back from Nepal so supercharged. So... As we get ready to have, have this moment, get ready. Some of you could even start filling this out if you want. I wanted to say this. I want someone to take a picture of this and make a T-shirt out of it. <laughs> First of all, some, I've actually had our staff over the years do this, some of my horrible drawings, just to make fun of me. And, uh, but that's, that's a pretty darn good drawing, I think. Uh, but we have had the chance for all these years to live out, to go out. It's the greatest thing in the world. And I want to show you a video that if you were here last week, you saw the thank you video, but I want you to see it differently this time. Every person you're going to see on the screen is a close personal friend of mine who I love. We've sent millions of dollars to these people because we love them and because they are this. And so for them to say thank you to us, we really should be saying thank you to them. Take a look at this, and then we're going to have our card moment. 
Hey, what's going on, Kensington? I'm Clint. And I am Michael, and we are at Easttown Church. It's Vince Antonucci from Verve Church in Las Vegas. This is Dave Kubiak from Antioch Church in St. Clair Shores. Hey, Kensington, this is Dave Nelson out in K2 the Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Travis here with Miles City Church in Livonia, Michigan. Hey, this is John and Catherine Evans from Renovation Church in Oviedo, Florida. This is Colin and Liz Harfield. We moved out to the greater Boston area back in August with a view to planting Anthem Church later this fall. I'm Julius Murgor, uh, the director of Home Harvesters International. This is Jaya from India. This is Ramesh Sapkota. I'm from Nepal. It's been nearly 10 years since you sent Chris and me and a group of others out to New York City to plant a church called Communitas. I want to thank you because you have been a part of what we've been doing since the very beginning. You guys uh, supported us financially with your prayers, sent mission teams, and we are here today because of you. Last week I had the opportunity to meet a reporter, and it was his first time ever in church. And uh, he said, I just want to let you know I'm going to come back next Sunday because I can't wait to learn more. And the first person we saw come to Christ was a pimp, and we have seen prostitutes and uh, gang members and you name it, Satanists, and you guys are part of every single one of those lives that have been changed. We are already gathering a group of people, about 20 to 30 people that have been gathering on a regular basis. In just a few short months, we're already seeing over 100 people gathering weekly. Well, you know, over 1,000 people are going to show up today, and that's been the case for years here. We have been fighting against human trafficking and rescuing the girls who've been taken from the country of Nepal. And so we just want to say thank you again for all that you have done, all the sacrifices that you have made uh, to make this possible. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you. Thank you for your incredible support. Just know that what you're doing there is impacting tons of people out here in Salt Lake. From New Life Church on Wayne State's campus in Detroit, Michigan, thank you, Kensington. From Grumlaw Church in Grand Blanc, Michigan, Thank you. From Detroit Church in the heart of Midtown Detroit, thank you to all our friends, Steve, Greg, and the entire Kensington family. All these new! Thank you so much. We literally couldn't have done it without you. Thank you. Hey, Dave Wilson here, and I want to say thank you, too. On behalf of the Kensington leadership, thank you. You have made all of this possible. We've planted 60-plus churches in the, in the United States, thousands of churches around the world, and countless numbers of people have been impacted for Jesus. And you don't even realize this. It's because of you. Your giving, your sacrifice has made a huge difference. So on behalf of all of our leadership, thank you for what you've done. Let me tell you, it's just the beginning. God is going to do amazing. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> so when I watch that, I feel like I'm I'm the richest person on planet Earth. That's how I feel. And I thought that's what we've been trying to do. And I love seeing all of these movements of God. And I've, I know the hardships and the difficulties that those people have endured. Jaya had just had open heart surgery a week before he sent that video out. I know the threats on Julius's life. I know the price that Dave Nelson has made and the 35 people from Kensington that went to Salt Lake City to start K2, the church out there, 14 years ago, and the price that they paid. I know that uh, the Oviedo Church in California, uh, in uh, Florida, as soon as they were starting it, that beautiful woman uh, 
got re-diagnosed with pretty virulent cancer. I mean, it's just, they're real people living out the journey of Jesus Christ. So here's what I want to say. If you're new, you're here at a rare moment. Every few years, we'll do a campaign and, uh, it will be quite understandable when you choose to just observe this as a, you know, as opposed to being a participant. There's no pressure, 100% no pressure. All I can think about is, for you, if you're new, is thinking about being in this journey and the joy that we get to see in giving our lives away. But for the rest of us, all of us have benefited from what Kensington has done, and we've benefited by being a part of the giving of this, you know, the radical journey in this. And I want you to know that Kensington has always been a safe place for people to journey. That's part of what we want along the way. But if you become a regular at Kensington, you know that you become a part of this great community of people that invest their time and their financial resources in the world. In fact, look at this screen. Look at this, this screenshot um, of this of the Everyone campaign. This was two years ago. Some of you in this room weren't even here, but we had a goal of 30 million. 22 million was pledged. That's coming in regularly. And uh, our, our, um, we had 3,000 participants for that $22 million, uh, for that 22 million. And we decided, we just prayed, knowing that there's so many people that are new to Kensington or people that might not have been able to originally. We said, let's finish this campaign with just a renewed pledge. And we said, let's invite people to do one of three things. Start up, step up, or stay in. And if you, uh, you actually, on this, just pull this, you get this little flip sheet. This is actually my card. I'm going to tear it off now because I'm going to put this in in a minute. If you want to know what I'm giving, I'm happy to tell you. I've always been transparent about that. Um, but the startup is a pretty cool. I've got a slide for that I want you to look at. Um, startup, we said, what about all the people that are just brand new in Kensington? We would love for them to go, hey, even if only startup people, not, not, all the, old, not the original 3,000, but if just new people, what if 750 households gave 50 bucks a month just for 12 months above their regular giving? What if 1,300 households committed 100 a month or 2,000 committed 250 a month? That'd be $8 million right there. That would get us all the things that we've been dreaming and hoping to accomplish. And so um, yesterday I saw a card uh, of a person who sent in a startup card. They filled it out. And they filled out the information, and they said, we commit to giving $15 a month for 12 months. That's incredible. You say, well, that wouldn't matter. Who cares if someone gets 15 months? That's amazing, because I don't know their life story. That might be more sacrificial. An another card, uh, uh, there's a card for Step Up. A guy wrote that he and his wife had given one of the uh, really amazing gifts from the Clinton Township campus. And uh, they fulfilled their pledge early. And it was a lot of money. And uh, they just sent in a pledge card yesterday for an additional $100,000. I saw another card where it says, hey, we were given $40 a month for the last two years. And we're, we're upping it for the last 12 months from $40 to $50. $10 a month. Let me tell you, every one of those is a sweet saver to God. Because I'm, I'm doing different than all three of those. And my, my commitment for my wife and I is just as sweet to God just as cool to God in this journey. And that's what I love about this. We've never talked about equal gifts. We said our goal would be equal sacrifice, but our goal is joy in the process along the way. So in this startup, some of you that, are, that have been thinking about this, that for some reason uh, you're new or you weren't able to participate last time, jump in with a startup today. Uh, step up. That's what I'm doing. 
Uh, and then for some of you that a lot of you in this room were part of this original campaign, just say, hey, we're going to stay in along the way. Here's what I'd like you to do. Super simple. Josh and the band, uh, we're going to just go play very quietly for three minutes. Okay? Three magical minutes. And I would love for you to fill out this card. Uh, even if you don't do anything, I'd love for you to fill the card out. I'd love for you to spend three minutes and say, Lord, some of you have been thinking about this for three weeks or three years. Uh, just say, Lord, what are you telling me to do? What, are, you, are you sensing any nudge from Jesus about this? Then do it. I've never, ever been sorry to follow the nudge of Jesus Christ in my life. It's led me into the wildest places on planet Earth. <laughs> but I've never regretted saying yes to Jesus in this journey. So you've all got this card. We're going we're gonna, to uh, just take three minutes to pray, and then I'm going to come back and invite you to sing a song with us as we wrap up. Okay? And then I'll, I'll explain exactly how we're going to drop these in. weeks ago, I was in the border town between Nepal and India, one of the 14 border crossings, in a city called Krishnanagar. It's the dirtiest city I've ever been in in my whole life. Diesel fumes, nothing but dirt and dust, but obviously beautiful colors of fruit and people walking by. And this open border where people can just walk from one country to the next. And at these border crossings for the last many years, Beautiful young Nepali girls walk across that border to meet someone who's promised to marry them or get them a job. And tens of thousands of them have found themselves in brothels or shipped somewhere in the world as sex slaves. And I met some of our great warriors that we support. 
And while we were there, they had pulled a girl aside, a young woman, a beautiful young woman named Anita. And she was sitting in the little little hut. It's no light, no heat, just in, it's just a shelter where they can pull girls aside that they are concerned about maybe that they're being trafficked. And Anita was sitting there and Ramesh was with us. And he said, you know what? He was speaking to us in English. And he said, I'm hoping that someday this girl, this young woman, will know that she is precious to God and that she is my daughter. Saying this in English. As soon as she heard that phrase, my daughter, she began to sob. She knew English. She ended up telling us, my parents are dead. My brother's been abusing me for years. I finally run away from that slavery and I'm crossing this border and don't know what's facing me next. A half hour later, she's in a safe house eating a beautiful meal with hope for her future. Every one. That's what we see Jesus do over and over again. So as we sing this final song, uh, we'd love for you when you're ready, uh, kind of take a minute. You can come down as we're singing, come down and sing this song and then uh, head back up. Just go back to your seat to finish, finish the, the, uh, the song. And then I'll, I'll send us off with a goodbye. And uh, all you need to do is drop it in one of these boxes. And uh, I'll take the, I'll take the, the privilege of uh, being one of the first to drop it in. So Josh, you lead us and come down when you're ready.
as we're finishing up, I just want to say this. It's funny as I was just seeing people come down and just feeling so privileged to be in a journey with people that are always ready to step up. It's truly been one of the great honors of my life. And at the same time, you know where my mind went to also? My mind went to the place where I thought, I've got all these people in my life, family members, friends, situations that all feel impossible. Anybody? Anybody else feel that way about people in your life, people you're worried about? And also, that's where my mind went to. I thought, Jesus, you've never failed me yet. You've never stopped loving those people or caring about our circumstances. You you promised you'll never leave us, never let us go. Let's be in the journey with him all the way. Isn't that amazing? So great. Thanks. Thanks for being with you. Hey, uh, grab your tip. We got a couple things. What are they? Invitations. Invitations. Got beautiful cards to give out to people. I think they're they're very attractive. Very attractive. Like you. Like us. And <laughs> sign up for Easter volunteers. We need Easter you volunteers. In if, the you, services. if you need pray out in the middle lot before you get to the lobby, kind of the inner lobby area, there'll be people who love to pray with you. Love being with you. Thank you guys. See you.